Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined, a pro wrestling hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, a man who, like Vin Diesel, lives his life a quarter mile at a time, Derek Halpin. I'm pretty pissed off that this show has already started with you comparing me to Vin Diesel. Hey, he has a hit movie career as of late, thanks to The Rock. And a beef with The Rock, which is something I can't relate to. Well, you know what? Because of his beef with The Rock, you're going to get a movie that stars The Rock and Jason Statham on their own that takes place in the Fast and Furious universe, and that's going to be more fun than anything you've ever seen in your life. So thank you, know man. And you know what's, what's, what's awesome about that? Uh, I haven't seen a single Fast and the Furious movie, and that will be my first one. will be the spinoff with The Rock and The Transporter. Oh, and yeah, that's what it is. It's not, I know, I know they're calling it like Hobbs and Shaw, but we're calling it Hobbs and Frank Martin. (laughs) Hey man, we got a great show on tap. We should hit our goddamn music. would you like to start sir well i'm gonna go ahead and just start this off at the top we have a contest going on for these all-in tickets i don't know if you've heard i don't know if you've heard we have a pair of tickets to a sold-out show biggest indie show of all time i don't know if you've what's heard. that show man it's what is called, it called it's called all in oh yeah uh, it's being put on by cody rhodes or known as just cody not allowed to have his last name and who else is putting on that show? The Young Bucks. You may have heard of them. Pretty big right now. Yeah, kind of a big thing. Okay, and there, you've got, what, Kenny Omega. You've got Okada. You've got uh, Jay Lethal. You have, it's just fucking everybody in the indies. Everybody in and the where indies is, is that, show. And where is that show? Where's Sh- it happening? Chicago, Illinois. That's by me. Hey, who's going to be, uh, be, be at the StarCast, the convention before the show? Us. Us. We're going to be there. Hey, I know you want these tickets. I can see that you're listening. Why is n- I'm going to go ahead and be straight with you guys. We don't have a lot of entries in this contest. I can see how many people are listening and how many people are not entering this contest. There should care. be a lot more entries than there are right now because I know that you want these tickets. Don't be lazy. Get on it. We know that you want to go to All In. So enter the contest. Tell them how to do it, Garrett. I'm going to go ahead and tell you how to do that. You get on iTunes. Hit that five star, write a review, say a couple nice sentences, say, you know, your favorite episode of the show. I don't really care. Put what you want. Then you email me. You send, a, uh, send me a screen cap of your review so that I know that it's yours to predeterminedpodcast at gmail.com. Predeterminedpodcast at gmail.com. It's that easy. There's no excuse for why you can't do it. And as it stands right now, if you enter, you have a pretty good chance of winning these tickets. And we want to see some more reviews. We want to see some more entries. And there's a possibility that we may have other ways for people to enter down the road. But you never know. We may change our minds on that depending upon how much participation there is. Because here's the thing. I don't care if you go to All In. I appreciate that you're listening. Thank you so much for listening. I I see you all out there listening. Maybe you don't want to go to All In. You just want to listen to our voices. Godspeed. Love you for that. God bless. Uh, just 
yeah, enter the contest if you like. And then you can go to All In and you can see us there and see one of the best wrestling shows of all time. I have to imagine it's going to be one of the best wrestling shows of all time. I think it's going to be. And I think you do want to go. I think the majority of our audience who's listening would like to go to this show. So, yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. But we know that you're listening. So if you got some time, go ahead and enter the contest. Is that us calling people out? Are we being dicks right now? I don't think we're being dicks. I think we're just telling people like, hey, you know what? If you've been thinking like, I probably won't win. Your odds of winning are pretty good. And you know what? If you get a friend, get your friend to enter and give, have them give you the tickets. Fucking do that. I don't care how you win them. It's not it's your tickets. It's not mine. <laughs> yeah, double up. It's get not. a friend. Have them enter too. Like get their friend to enter. It, I mean, I don't care. It's up to you. I'm going to be at the show. You can be at the show if you want to enter. Just whatever. Let's talk about wrestling, my friend, because this has Speaking been a- of being at shows, you have been at a show recently. I did. I went to uh, Nashville's own Southern Underground Pro. Uh, have you ever been to this before? Of course you have. You've been a couple times. This show really does keep getting better and better. And I know this one, uh, they had a few issues with people uh, dropping out last minute, which just means that uh, superstar Jeff Cobb got pushed to the main event. So, Ooh. you know, that was fun. Got to see him fight their champ, which it's hard for me to, to watch Jeff Cobb lose, but he did lose in the main event. That's fine. It's fine. You can't win them all. It doesn't matter if you're in New Japan. You said the show's getting better. Is it still very indie by definition? I would say, the, uh, based from the first time I went to now, I feel like the match quality has gotten better. And what, really? I, what I say by that is, well, uh, there's also some of these guys that, you know, we're seeing like six-man matches. So I'm not really getting to see everything that somebody can do. But like uh, this week, I got to see, remember I told you about uh, that, that small wrestler, Marco yeah. Stunt? I got to see him have a singles match. Isn't that the guy you said you had like a conversation with? Well, I couldn't tell how old he was, and I thought it was yeah. offensive to ask, so I just asked him how long <laughs> he'd been wrestling. <laughs> it does sound pretty creepy to approach a guy. Was he in his tights? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess like he when wears t- like uh, the kind of like pants like Chuck Taylor wears, you know, like the tights, I guess, yeah. Right. I guess it's kind of weird to approach somebody wearing that stuff and go, hey, man, how old are you? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, you can't walk up to somebody that looks like a child and be like, I'm interested. <laughs> what are you doing after the show? Uh, but yeah, he goes by Mr. Fun Size Marco Stunt. He had a, mm. he had a fun match. Uh, oh, also, I so Kurt Stallion used to be their, their champ there. And as he was exiting the ring, because my favorite place to stand there is right where the wrestlers enter, like for their entrances. Sure. And uh, as he was leaving... I said, get the hell out of here, Stallion. (laughs) And uh, he immediately stopped, turned around, and got right in my face. And I did the only thing that I could do, which was pretend to cry and apologize profusely. (laughs) Were you really pretending, or were you just scared shitless? Well, after he turned around, I was laughing. Was it nervous laughter? Was I really scared? I mean, you be the judge. You can actually... the All of their uh, shows end up on... I believe it's powerbomb.tv. Yeah. Well, I'll post something how you can see these. Because they are really fun shows. There's just... It, I think, to me, being in a... like Regardless of how good what's happening in the ring is, the vibe of a room can completely change everything. And the, the matches were great. But I just... I love the vibe in this room. Just everybody's having a great time. I love that it's 2 o'clock on a Sunday. Uh, just... Can't, can't say enough nice things about Southern Underground Pro. And there is this wrestler named Alley Cat. 
Uh, she they call her Body Cat. She's a she's a lady cat. She paints whiskers on her face, and she uh, I've only seen her do intergender matches at this point. She is quickly becoming one of my favorites. I if we had a segment on this, like who in wrestling would you like to hang out with? Like if we let that replace. She would make the list? Oh, she would make the list. She just seems like fun. I just, I enjoy watching her. She got her ass kicked by, uh, I guess, the person who trains her. <laughs> well, you've mentioned her before. Yeah, she, so. uh, this was the first time I've seen her not fight another cat wrestler. She had been wrestling a guy <laughs> named Slutty Cat. And uh, this time around, she was wrestling a demonic clown from the group The Carnies. And so she, was, left the, she left the cat division and entered the clown division. She entered the clown division, did not walk out successful on that one, but successful in stealing all of our hearts. She and, should have stayed on CAT Live. Jesus. And, <laughs> oh, somebody <laughs> in the crowd did something brilliant. You know, it, uh, you know, shows they'll throw the streamers at wrestlers occasionally. Yeah. Somebody threw a ball of yarn at her. That's adorable. It was fucking cute. More Did she yarn. play with it? Did she play with the ball of yarn? She really should have, and maybe next time. Uh, and also, hey, Alley Cat, sell some shirts. Stand out there. I was prepared to give you money for a picture. Didn't see you around anywhere. Next time. Next time. We'll make sure to tag her when we post this, the, the, the links for this podcast up on her social media and let her know that we want some Alley Cat merch. But uh, we, I did see that she does have a shirt. It says Alley Cat in the Sailor Moon font. And you know what? You would have sold me one right there. Didn't see you around, though. Next time. He wants to Next meet time. you and get your shirt. And uh, let's see. Who did I go with? I saw some, uh, some listeners of the show there. Uh, Neil was there. Alex was there. Kevin was there. Uh, talked to another gentleman, Stephen, who has the, the Fight Talk podcast. Super nice guy. Uh, he actually entered our contest today. So you know what? Aww. If you want to be like Stephen and be all in, sign up for that contest. If you need to hear how to do it, Rewind about four minutes. And contact Steven. I'm sure he can give you a tutorial. Yeah, uh, for real. <laughs> Shout out to Under- Southern Underground Pro. Super fun show. Going to keep going to that. I love that. The- oh, my God. Somebody said that there was a rumor that Nick Gage might be on the next one. Hopefully he listened to our podcast and then he identifies you in the crowd because that'll make for a great episode. I might not stand near the entrance for that one. I- you, may have- you may have to podcast from the hospital. I don't know. What if I, I feel like I just have to just immediately form an alliance with him. <laughs> Do you feel confident that you can be like, fuck yeah, Nick? I don't know. You know, I keep hearing from people and like everyone's favorite episode so far is the deathmatch episode. So, well, and they just announced because uh, SummerSlam weekend, Joey Janela is having another big show. And this one is Joey Janela lost in New York. Oh, yes. So. Uh, what do you think, Derek? Do I need to go back to another Joey Janela <laughs> present show? I don't. Ha- Here, here's the thing: I'm not going with you, so fuck yeah. Go get go get some more shit to talk about for us. <laughs> I'm contemplating. Nothing is nothing is set in stone yet. I'm I'm just debating what I'm gonna do this Friday. I'm contemplating going to see freelance wrestling. Fuck yes. at the Logan Square Auditorium. Now that's not locked in. You are supposed to be coming up here this weekend. That's the plan. So there's a big debut at uh, Freelance this weekend. Yeah, PCO. PCO. I, we've been on the PCO train. Like, I am pushing <laughs> PCO. I want PCO at fucking BOLA this year. Like, I, this guy has just impressed me so much. <laughs> I, I need you to go see PCO and get a, get a picture with that guy. It's such a weird story. 
but yeah, uh, I'm I'm leaving that door open. Don't know what's going to happen. I know that you, my friend, are supposed to be rolling into town late on Friday. You will not be staying with me, uh, at least for a while. I get the uh, apartment to myself this weekend. No pants for uh, Derek. No pants for DH. But uh, yeah, what are we doing this weekend, man? Why don't you give him a little heads up? Uh, we're going to be in Chicago this weekend. Well, you're always there, but we're going to be going to <laughs> NXT TakeOver and Money in the Bank. Woo! Big weekend of wrestling. And you were saying and- that, uh, I didn't realize this, you said that on the NXT show this weekend, Adam Cole isn't defending that title? As of right now, um, I, I read the NXT spoilers, and uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, but NXT hasn't aired yet. Um. As of right now, uh, they have Undisputed Era defending the tag titles, but they do not have Adam Cole wrestling a match or defending the North American Championship. I have to imagine he'll be there, though. He's going to be there, but he'll probably be like on the outside, don't you think? Unless, I don't know, when you go to these shows, this has been the problem I've had at every NXT TakeOver I've attended. They have a start time on the ticket, but it's always wrong from what time it actually starts. So Uh, you're saying we should get there early? I would definitely look it up because they always film the next week's TV before takeover. Well, I can I can tell you this Saturday we're talking about doing a wrestle hangout meetup at uh, Shoeless Joe's Ale House out in Rosemont. Um, probably do that Saturday afternoon. Um, so if you guys want to come uh, get some drinks or some some food with us, uh, stay tuned with our social media. We'll probably give you an update on that in the next couple days. Yeah, follow uh, yeah. us on Facebook, Twitter. We'll definitely be posting where we're going to be hang out, hanging out. We're going to have a have a meetup. I know there's a few people that have said they're going to be there, so that'll that'll be fun. Yeah, fun to and hang the- out and just chat wrestling like we do all day anyway. Why not do it together? Yes, in a group setting in a bar and get lost in the conversation and miss the show and oh shit. That is not going to happen because I have never seen a show in this building and I really, really want to. Well, I, I, I think we should really just kind of cut to the thing that everybody wants to talk about. Everybody wants to hear. Um, some big stuff happened over the weekend in the world of pro wrestling, specifically New Japan pro wrestling. Um, something that I think I get the impression that you watched live as it happened and I watched later that day. Uh, New Japan had Dominion. And holy shit, everyone seems to be loving Dominion because it was a fucking awesome show. I mean, for me at least, I've I've actually watched the show twice now. Um, Nerd alert. I, I watched all five hours two times because that's how goddamn good this show was. To me, it's easily the best pay-per-view of the year to me. Yeah. I don't think that's I think that's the question at this point. Um I don't know if I had made this clear to you. This was the first New Japan pay-per-view I had watched, like, like start to finish, period. Ever. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm starting off on a high note. I've watched bits and pieces of different things. I've watched matches, and it wasn't my first New Japan, and I was familiar with a good chunk of the people. Actually, the first couple matches on the card, I really didn't know these guys. Um, so, I mean, I... I mean, we, there's a lot of things we need to talk about with this card and and everything because so much happened. We could probably do just a couple episodes on this show. Oh, I'm but uh, we could do a fucking whole episode on the main event. Yeah, like this show was. I mean, if they were out to prove a point, which I also saw, they made an announcement that they have a new president and CEO. Yeah, the opening package kind of went over that, didn't it? Yeah, it's a, a guy from New York, and he said that 
He's been watching New Japan for years. He loves the creative, has no intention to do anything different to the show other than he's there to help with marketing and make this as big as possible. So do you want to dive into the technical aspects of Dominion first, or would you like to just go right into the matches and kind of our reactions to things? Oh, wherever you want to start, man. Kick it off. Well, first of all, like... Like I said, this was my first New Japan pay-per-view. Um, one of the things that was, was difficult to get into, I mean, the promo packages for each each match and hyping the event were really, really good. Um, I wish there had been some more subtitles because some of the stuff, I, I like you would get like snippets of English, um, and then I just kind of had to pick up on the general vibe of whatever angle was going on. Um, but like that, that, that opening package of the, the new ownership, the new president, that was huge. And it made it feel like an even bigger deal. It felt, it actually felt like um, it was like a new chapter that I was kind of jumping in on. And it certainly felt that way by the end of the show. I don't know. Everything was elevated. And, and I think one of the things that I appreciate about a show like this is that the matches on the card kind of went in order of importance, which I kind of miss. And I wish that more, you know, wrestling promotions would do this more often where they don't feel the need to go up and down, up and down with, you know, match importance. It just gradually, the matches get bigger and bigger and bigger until they swell into the main event. And then there's, you know, the crescendo and the, the whole shebang there at the end. And, um, I can't imagine them doing anything that could have made this show bigger. Um, all of the most important figures in pro wrestling outside of WWE had huge nights. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Easily. And uh, uh, real quick, just what do you think about the pacing? Um, a- I think it's, I think it was good. Like, I, I think there's not a whole lot of downtime in between matches. Uh, they just like, they, they wheel out the next thing and I don't just, know, I, it really I, is just boom, 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 boom. And like you said, I woke up at two in the morning to watch this and I watched it live from two in the morning till damn near 7 a.m. Yeah. And by the time this was over, I had no idea that I'd been watching it for five hours. Like, like you said, just every, the way they had paced it out, the way they had had the matches lined up, it was just match after match after match. And even on the worst match of this night is still an amazing match. Like nothing, there's, there's no like down spots on this whole card. Well, like I said, I, I think the first couple matches, I didn't know most of the people involved. I will say this. I learned a thing. Uh, just recently, Juice Robinson, number one, he's a local boy here. He's from Joliet, Illinois. Didn't know that. Two, Juice Robinson, when he was in NXT, was known as CJ Parker. Broke Kevin Owens' nose. Broke Kevin Owens' nose, and then Kevin Owens beat him in his debut match. So And he got fired for breaking Kevin Owens' nose. <laughs> eh, well, what do you know? Yeah, he I went over I... to New Japan and became great. Like, when he was C.J. Parker in NXT, he did very little for me. And I don't know what changed between there. I mean, well, he doesn't have the hippie gimmick anymore, so that's good. But uh, he's a very, very good wrestler. Yeah. And like you said, it, there wasn't anything on the show that was bad. So, I mean, like, I, like I, think, I think if you're a New Japan uh, regular, I mean, this was everything. Like I said, just for me, just not being familiar with, you know the first couple matches like but everything from there i mean like it, like i said it was a crescendo everything just kept building and nothing felt out of place and like i like i said a moment ago all of the big names outside of WWE basically went over 
Uh, like I mean, it, they they gave you everything. I mean, they they they. <laughs> I don't know. I, there was a point about halfway through the pay per view where I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be like this is what the show is gonna be," and um, I had predicted the result of the main event, and I was very happy with my prediction. So, oh, it, isn't it weird though that New Japan they have this big pay per view, and now only. What everything but two belts are on Westerners. Well, that's that's one of the things I meant to bring up, but I didn't. The thing is, I didn't know when the right time to do it was because we haven't talked about the matches and the results. But yeah, I mean, you end up by the end of the show, you know, like the Young Bucks walk out with the tag titles, Jericho walks out with the Intercontinental title, uh, Kenny Omega walks out with the IWGP Championship, and well, fuck, even if you want to go to Michael Elgin winning the Never Openweight Championship. Um, Which that dude got fucking jacked. <laughs> How does everybody feel about? It? Is he is that he's still a controversial figure? Like is that like a thing that I like, can be like, oh, still fuck big Mike Elgin? I think so, but it's a thing where he's only in Japan now. As far as I know, he's not even wrestling over here anywhere. Like he's just over there and clearly doing well. Was he banished? He was a little bit. He was a little bit banished. Like I have, I wasn't a fan of Big Mike prior to the allegations or the the texts and everything. So losing him wasn't a big loss for me. Uh, it still feels weird though that the second biggest promotion in the world has a belt on him. So I guess since you since you brought this up about like Westerners walking out with all the belts, do you feel like this is them turning over a new leaf? I mean, not in a bad way, but like like I said, a new chapter for New Japan where basically they just went with it and they said, here's, here's the guys that everybody knows about. And we're shoving those guys into the, you know, the spotlight. And I mean, that, that takes their company to a whole other level to in one night, basically hand all the biggest stars outside WWE, that kind of a victory, like across the board. I mean, Jericho, fuck. I mean, even, even if you look outside of the young bucks and Kenny Omega, the bullet club, Cody and Hangman and Marty all had a win. Um, I mean, over some I mean, big fucking names too. Yeah, like I mean, it was just it was just a show where they they literally even even with heels they gave you everything you wanted to see. Is that fair to say? It is, and we're not used. I feel like as a wrestling fan, or maybe it's just if you're a WWE fan, it feels so foreign to get something that makes you happy out of a show. Well, not just getting something that makes you happy. We and this is something we've discussed, you know, on other podcasts, but there's even when you get something that makes you happy, there's usually either something else on the show that kind of balances it or there's a catch, and there were no catches on this show. There was no yeah, but this happened. It was just like boom, you wanted to see this, boom, you wanted to see this, and it just continued that way all the way to the main event and then even after the main event. And so if you want to just jump into some of these matches and just talk about your favorite parts and results and I don't know, well, man, I, I, this was great. Like I, I had an amazing time with the show. I mean, I'm going to jump to the middle of the car. I mean, we're going to jump all over probably talking about this thing, but I think, so the young bucks, this was their first time competing for the heavyweight tag team championship. And like you said, with these shows, they always have kind of in order of importance with the belts. So this was one of the first times we didn't have to watch the Young Bucks open the show with the junior heavyweight tag team. Yeah, as somebody who's not, like, super big on New Japan, um, 
to me, it's it's bizarre that they even separate, like the, the tag, the, the like you know what I mean, like by having tag belts for heavyweights and light heavyweights. So, the, yeah, I mean, obviously, and and this is a big deal for them getting bumped up to like the full fledged tag team championship in New Japan with no catch. Because I feel like the Young Bucks, I mean, they're obviously super over all over the world, but I feel like in Japan they were never quite, they weren't quite as over as they are here. And I think by bumping them up to the heavyweight tag team division, especially putting them against Evil and Sonata, you know, just having them against the one of the, the biggest, if not, you know, the second biggest faction in New Japan. Or, I yeah. mean, I, well, there's several. There's Chaos, LIJ, uh, Bullet Club. But, you know, getting them against people that, you know, the Japanese audience and just everyone loves right now. Yeah. Uh, LIJ are fucking awesome. And, and, I, and their match with him was was amazing because it was just good old fashioned pro wrestling storytelling where they they built so much of the match around the young bucks not being able to hit the melter driver because of the the back that back issues that Nick or that Matt had and uh, the, the leg Nick injury his, he like Nick goes yeah. to uh, kick one of them and accidentally kicks the pole and then is working the rest of the match with a hurt foot. Yeah. Which I mean, disable the, the, the foot and then you can't have a super kick party. Right. But I mean, it, like it was just it was just classic storytelling and it works and it was a great freaking match. And man, and like you said, I do think LIJ is the you know second biggest faction over there. So I don't know, man. Like it it, it just I mean, obviously we're jumping to the middle of the card, but as far I mean, this is like a I don't want to say a, like a is this a, would you call this the crowning achievement of the Young Bucks so far in their careers, winning these tag titles? I would say easily. I think these are the most prestigious tag titles they've held thus far. Yeah. I mean, not that Ring of Honors don't mean anything. Like, you know, that's awesome. But uh, this is the second biggest promotion in the world. Like, this is pretty much as big as it can get for them without being in WWE. For sure. And like when we were talking about, you know, the new president and everything and putting the belts on all these, all the Westerners, do you think that has part to do with them trying to expand and make this bigger? So, yeah, this is something we definitely have to talk about. And if, if we're going to address what you said earlier about them, not the president, not wanting to change anything, he's just there to make new Japan the best thing it can be. I, I think part of that, yeah, is putting the belt, or putting all the belts on guys that, you know, Westerners can identify um, people that they know. But I also like, and this isn't the knock on new Japan. It's just the name of the game. I mean, you do have to watch their product at essentially two in the morning on a laptop, but I think a step in the right direction is at least getting their championships and getting the names out there of that people know um, here. So, I mean, it did, I mean, whether it was their, their, you know, playing to the you know the north the, the continent of north america or or what it is but I mean, to me it's affected it was the right call like i don't have a criticism of that and somebody who's a casual new japan fan this sucked me right in like if there was ever a time to go from you know casual new japan observer to holy shit like they're making a push then then this would be it i can't imagine coming into the new japan scene at a better time period no, um, and this is, I think this is a really good way because they put the belts on people that, you know, or like, you know, the Westerners know. 
like recognizable names. And I feel like putting the belts on them is going to get, you know, people are going to start watching to see the young bucks or start to watch to see Kenny Omega. And when you see Omega going against Okada or see Jericho going against Naito, you know, a lot of people are going to be getting introduced to these wrestlers for the first time. But I, but I think it's not enough just to say Westerners. I think we specifically have to talk about Jericho here for a minute and his match against Naito. A guy who is primarily associated with WWE and who has just in the last year experimented outside of WWE with New Japan is now their intercontinental champion. Which, like, how do you think Vince McMahon feels about that? <laughs> see, I don't know. Do you think Jericho gave him the heads up on this? I mean, if, if Vince didn't like it, he could offer Jericho a deal. You know what I mean? Like, if he really, he can't complain and say, well, I don't want you doing stuff outside WWE, but I'm also not going to give you, you know, the opportunities that you want. I mean, Jericho doesn't want to be WWE 24-7, 365 anyway, but he's doing Fozzie, he's doing, you know, his podcast, he's... I mean, well, and I, right I, now where WWE, I mean, in my opinion, this, I mean, this is slipping right now. We're, we're going to try not to talk about how bad WWE is doing. We're going to be yeah, positive no, and no, talk gonna, about how great New Japan is. But, but to me, this is to your like, point, this is yeah. Chris Jericho, you know, uh, he's doing the Gretzky thing. He's not going where the puck was. He's going where the puck's going. Is that what you think is going on with, uh, you think that's how Jericho views it? I don't, I mean, I think at this point in his career, he's just having fun and yeah. kind of doing what he wants. But I also think where he's choosing to go is keeping him incredibly relevant with hardcore wrestling fans. For sure. I, I think that's absolutely the case. But, I, you know, he's at a point now, what's so cool about this is he doesn't need that belt. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he's just adding a whole other level of prestige to their Intercontinental title. Which already, and, the Intercontinental title in New Japan is far more prestigious than, say, WWE's. Like, they really build up the Intercontinental title as, I mean, you know, it's a second heavyweight championship, essentially. Yeah. And, well, you know, top guys hold that belt. But I think one of the things we also have to talk about with the rest of the, with this card, um, specifically with the Jericho match, all of the matches on this card felt different. There wasn't like a, like a clone match. You know, there wasn't like a match. Like, you know, sometimes you, like, you'll see with WWE, they'll have two women's tag team matches on the same card. There's two different brands. Or they'll have like, you know, two fatal four ways, you know, one from each brand. Every match on this show was different and unique and had a different pacing and a different style to it. So there was something different, you know, throughout the show. Nothing, nothing got boring. I, I just... And for and guys I that the, do big spots a lot, you didn't see a lot of repeat spots. People kind of figure out ways to do things that no one else is doing on that show, so every match feels fresh. Correct. That's ex I think that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. But, I mean, even the way that the Jericho-Nido match started, it started like a rough, like it started like a brawl. It didn't start as a wrestling match. But I, it started what? with... He comes out and beats the living piss out of Naito while Naito's still clown. wearing his suit. Yeah. Gets blood all over the suit. I mean, gives him a, the, the hardest fucking pile driver I've ever seen onto one of those Japanese tables. Yeah. Didn't Which break. surprisingly didn't break. <laughs> he just tearing everything apart. Beats the, just the fuck out of him. Throws Naito back in the ring. Red shoes. Does not hesitate to ring that bell. 
You know what's funny though? I, when I when I saw him come out wearing the fedora, I had a flashback to the Festival of Friendship just for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping he would take it off and do a little spin with it. And then of course we got a uh, we got Jericho. Ah uh, yes, Jericho painted like the crow. That guy can literally make anything over. I think he said, I watched an interview last night where the, whoever he was talking to, Jericho was drinking. So he's drunk in the interview. And he's just like, yeah, man. He's like, I don't think anyone's ever had a career like mine where I can just get anything over. He's like, I got a turtle over in a he video. A I sent in. plant over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and this was, I mean, I, I think the only match like of the of the big matches they were advertising that I kind of guessed incorrectly. I really didn't think the Young Bucks were going to win the tag titles, especially when they, you know, had, you know, planted the idea that they weren't able to do the super kick party or that they couldn't hit the Melter driver. About halfway through that match, I was like, "Ah, uh, they're giving them an excuse for why they can't beat LIJ." Uh, but no, they end up coming out with those uh, tag belts. And then, you know, I, I actually believed, I think you and I had talked about this. There was no way that we thought that they were going to have Jericho lose two matches in a row, but we were right. And it was awesome. And Jericho beats Naito. And well, fuck, I guess we'll have to see where we go from here. This was actually something we talked about in the last episode of the podcast. We couldn't get too far ahead of ourselves looking to G1 or to All In because we had to get through Dominion. And boy, oh boy, a bunch of shit changed at Dominion. Oh, every, yeah, everything changed. And it's a thing where a lot changed, and there's still big matches to go before All In. For sure. Um, like, I, it's, I don't know where some of this is going to go. I mean, do you, does Naito have a rematch with Jericho? Or is Naito's next thing going after Kenny Omega, and then you have Omega Naito for a heavyweight championship match at some point? That would make sense down the road. I mean, it'll be interesting to see who Jericho ends up dropping the Intercontinental title back to. You know, who's he, who's he going to lose it to? And when? Is he going to have uh, like, a de- like a decent length run or is it going to be a short thing? So, See, I was still thinking that he was going to show up at the Cow Palace, but I don't know. I'm hearing that his handshake deal with Vince is that he wouldn't wrestle with New Japan on American soil. But I I don't know. I listened to an interview and he said that at this point he's, he said he's getting paid more than he's ever been paid in his career for the fewest amount of matches. And probably feels nice. Yeah. I'm sure that feels great because he can still go be (laughs) rock star Jericho and then come in and give just these fucking incredible matches that I feel like we, we love Jericho and WWE, but I feel like these are different matches than he was oh, having sure. over there. These are Yeah, he's, he's exploring a whole other side of his wrestling personality in New Japan, which is exciting to see. Because at this point, he's been around so long, you feel like you've seen everything. But if there's one person in wrestling who's like the master of reinventing himself, it's Jericho. Because the thing is, he could go back to WWE tomorrow and be doing the list stuff, and we're going to still love him. But when he goes to New Japan, his character is essentially a fucking psychopath. And he's, he seems a borderline racist, too. Like, like, he refers to the people in Japan as animals. He takes every top opportunity he can to grab a camera and flip people off with it. Like, I love that he pretends that he's miserable there. He is, he is loving being a heel over in Japan, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, oh, and then, so, uh, I mean, just to, to go back a match, before the Jericho Naito... We had Osprey versus Takahashi for the junior heavyweight championship, and holy shit. 
yeah, we don't really want to leave this one out of our discussion because holy shit, this you could argue that this was <laughs> you could argue this was match of the night, probably second best match of the night, but man, this was a lot of fucking fun and this was rough. It was so rough. I it was actually when I went back to rewatch the pay-per-view, that was the first match I rewatched. Oh, you started with that one? I actually start I mean, I went back and watched the others, but after it was over, that was the first match that obviously We'll get to Omega Okada, but that match just really stuck with me. Uh, Takahashi is just fucking crushing it right now on being just a charismatic, fun dude to watch. Yeah. And Will Ospreay, I mean, one of the kings of flippy shit. Like, you're going to, there's few people that are better at flippy shit than Will Ospreay. I also think it, like, in, it was smart booking, and this is stuff that people I don't know if they think about. If if Lij if Lij in the same night is losing the tag titles and the Intercontinental title, then I'm glad that they're getting that one back, so that the, the stable still has a belt to work with. They still have somebody, you know, that's relevant. Unlike I mean, not uh, that they're Elra. Because yeah, you run the risk of booking a show exactly like Supercard of Honor this last year, where that crowd was so hot, they were so ready to see Bullet Club. A lot of them seen, I assume, seen Bullet Club for the first time, you know, like getting to see Kenny for the first time, because that's a, that's a rare person to actually get to see wrestle. And it was a whole night of all their favorite people losing. Right. And this was kind of the reverse of that. It, yeah. And it still leaves a belt on LIJ, makes people yep. happy there. Uh, I mean, people love Osprey as well, but I think right now Takahashi is just after that best of the super juniors. He's the fucking man. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Hey, man, what about we got to talk about it? Okada. Omega. Jesus. I mean. It, they long definitely as shit. They they and, they and I loved that with the two out of three falls, each fall got the appropriate amount of time to build to it. And, and then the, what they had two minutes to recover. Yeah. That I enjoy that. They give them, give them a water break. <laughs> Cause these guys, I mean, even though like it did start out, you know, slow kind of the new Japan style where it was a build, but once it got built, I mean, they were beating the shit out of each other for how long did this match go? I mean, was it uh, an hour 15 or something like that? It was, it was a long one. It was a, it was a kid's movie length. But it did not feel like that. I mean, everything was exciting. Yeah, and and Okada gets the first fall with a with a what was that a roll up or a small package there? What it would? Yeah, or is it? Yeah, it was just like a really quick like roll up, and he got him. Yeah, which adds to the drama of oh fuck, Okada's already up one nothing. And I mean, even that crowd at this point, because you know Okada, how many days did they say he held the title at this point? Like. (laughs) 700 and something yeah it may as well have been a billion years i mean 700 days in wrestling for real like when you're getting to watch as much wrestling as you know put out that's a long time to watch one dude be champ and this and this match had been you know i mean this is why like we had talked about this which is that if if omega was gonna win it this was the time I mean, like Okada had had the title for a long time. There wasn't anybody else feasibly that he needed to beat to a stat, you know, to like cement his his reign and his legacy. And it was Omega's time. He's at the peak of his popularity right now, and they delivered. They delivered an hour plus, fucking two out of three falls masterpiece. I mean, would um, you say at this point, 
their series of four matches is going to go down as the greatest series of wrestling matches to exist at this point? I don't know. That's hard to say. I mean, that's obviously subjective, but I mean, if you look at these four matches and just the build of this and how long the matches were, how exciting they were, uh, just how over both guys were throughout the matches, it's just, I don't even know what to compare these two. I mean, the, ho- the hope is, is that these matches, because I mean, there's, in terms of popularity, it's hard for, okay, there's not as many eyes on the New Japan product. So it's hard to stack them up to, to some of the other rivalries throughout history. It's its own thing, and it has to get me- uh, measured on its own merit. But I do think that you could argue that that main event at Dominion is kind of the foundation that they're going to build if they are going to get bigger. Like, I mean, that, that's a classic. That's going to be one of their classic rivalries that, they, that is always referenced, and that's what things will always get compared to is the Okada Omega series. Like that's going to be somebody's Austin Rock. <laughs> you know? I, well, I, I think I think in the New Japan world, it's absolutely that. Like, and no, and maybe nothing comes nearly as close to that. Um, and and I think people, I think casual wrestling fans heard about Dominion. Like they've heard, like if you if you even if you weren't following New Japan, I'm sure it came across your radar the, in this past week. Um, so, and that's a big deal. Like I said, that could be the foundation for something new and big for them. Maybe they get a little bit bigger. Maybe they start doing more shows over here in the States. Maybe they change the times at which they do stuff. Um, I feel like that would be unfair to the people that actually live there though. It it would be, but I mean, if they're hoping to expand, it's, it's kind of inevitable. It's the only thing they're never going to, I mean, they would never get big if they stayed at two o'clock in the morning all the time. So, I mean, and you mean I like maybe move on... the show to the middle of the afternoon for them so that it's a little more reasonable for us, or maybe we're staying up a little later than normal to watch it or something. It's it's possible they may work around. I mean, there's, I mean, like I get what you're saying. Like I like you totally don't want to turn your back on the purists and everything, but if if they've already got the Japan market money and they're wanting to delve into you know getting a little bit more inter- international, they're gonna have to do something. Well, and it's like, and... even at the end of the match, after Kenny won, he Kenny always cuts a promo, and he speaks Japanese. So he cuts the promo in Japanese, and then after he's done, he says, but don't forget, we are a worldwide company, so I probably should say something in English. Right. I thought that, and I, I took note of that. That was important. Um, and so, but yeah, it is important. Fucking Kenny Omega hits the one-winged angel, pins Okada. Huge fucking moment. It felt like a huge fucking moment. And what made it even better, man? Oh, my God. The Young Bucks came out, and they all hugged. With Ibushi. Ibushi was out there. We now have the Golden Elite. We found out what was in the box. We found out what was in the box. It was, a, it was an emotional moment, man. It, um, was a, it was a really great moment in pro wrestling. It was just, I mean, spot-on storytelling. Because... Uh, I was so worried that something bad was going to happen. So to actually get a pay-per-view that ends with not only a great match, but a feel-good moment. moment. Yeah, absolutely. With him doing a promo about how they're set, they're out to change the world. Which means they're okay. Well, I don't know if Bullet Club is fine. Well, we'll see how Bullet Club is doing. And I don't want to forget about that because one of the things that got lost in all this... I mean, obviously, again, if we're going to 
you know, put a put a stamp on it. Great fucking show, great fucking main event, and then great finish to the show. Cody tries to come out for a moment to do something, ends up turning around and going back to the locker room. But then you find out on the newest being the elite that apparently Cody was in the process of trying to apologize to Kenny Omega and make things better. And I believe wasn't he uh, <laughs> what they had playing while you see him in the process of writing like a love letter to Co- or to Kenny is isn't he um, just speaking the song hurt? Yeah, like it was it was pretty funny, but I I actually thought it was well done too. Like I, I that's a good bit of storytelling there, which it I mean it sets the idea that he was willing to make up and then he something something made him change his mind. Um so, and, which and the also, note the note said to the true leader of the Bullet Club, but he crumpled it up, threw it on the ground. He couldn't do it, but he was contemplating it. So there's so, there's some conf- there's some conflict there. So what do you think? Does this mean that Golden Elite is like going to be part of the Bullet Club, or do you think this means that the Bucks and Kenny are out of it, and now Cody is going to be the leader of like the heel Bullet Club with Marty and Hangman? Well, you had predicted this a while back, and I think you're right. I think there's going to be the Golden Elite. That's a faction. And I think... And that is a faction of four fucking top guys. Well, see, here's the thing. As as a guy who doesn't really give a shit about Ibushi too much, other than his relationship to Kenny Omega, I mean, I I don't know if it's as huge as the original Elite or the Bullet Club from, like, a year ago. But, I mean, this new, like, babyface incarnation... Of the elite with Ibushi. I mean, it, it, like you said, it was a feel-good reunion. Like, it's a good group of guys right now to be the antithesis to what has become the evil bullet club led by Cody. And it'll be interesting to see, since the Golden Elite have four members, it'll be interesting to see if the bullet club inducts one more member. Could it be the... Flip? <laughs> Could it be Flip? What if it's Jericho? Oh, well, uh... Actually, that could be, because right now, their top two titles are held by dudes from Winnipeg. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But, uh, fucking Dominion 2018, man. That was, okay, so having watched this whole pay-per-view, does, as somebody who, you know, hadn't really watched a lot of New Japan, did this suck you in a little bit, where you're interested to see where these stories are going? Are you going to continue with them, or... Like maybe check out matches here and there, or what are you thinking? I mean, I'm definitely going to try to follow along a little bit more. My one concern is, and, and this isn't a knock on, on Dominion, I guess it's just, it's, it's hard to imagine how they, they can top this pay-per-view because they gave you everything. Like, it, it, I mean, if WWE were to book a pay-per-view where fucking, you know, Lesnar fucking retires and Roman Reigns gets beat and Finn Balor beats, like if this... Every dream scenario you could think of plays out. That would be like the WWE's version of, of like Dominion. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here, where they basically gave us everything that we wanted in one show. Um, but the one thing I'll, I'll say about New Japan, and I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt and the credit for this, is that I have all the confidence in the world with how they book things and how they write that they will, even if it doesn't top Dominion, that it will be worth tuning in for um, future shows. Because and it's a so, thing, yeah. at least, that regardless of what show you're tuning into, you're still seeing exciting in-ring work. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see great matches. I mean, that's, and I think that's, again, don't want to sit here and talk about WWE. We could sit here and do the pros and cons of, or the, the, 
black and the white, the difference between the two companies, which is night and day. Um, New Japan presents itself like it, like it's like a shoot, like it's an athletic competition. They're out here to have matches and see who's the best. And WWE is a show. Um, there's more bits in the backstage area, which is, I mean, it just depends on what you're into. And I, I don't think New Japan is necessarily competing directly with WWE. I think they're just creating a whole new thing. It and is. It's. It really is just. I mean, we keep you know saying like different flavors of ice cream, but it really is just a completely different show. I mean, the style of matches. Your WWE is more focused on storytelling and you know jokes and fun, like fun. And this, like you said, it's this is this feels like you're watching shoot fights, right? I mean, and, it just it's it's old pro wrestling is what it feels like. So, no, if if the question is, am I going to keep uh, an eye on New Japan going forward? Absolutely, because it's fucking it's huge right now. And like, hey, they got me hooked. They got all the Westerners, and I'm a Westerner, so I'm obligated to pay attention now. Do you? Um, okay, I was talking to a, a couple people, and they said that the thing that keeps them away from Ring of Honor and New Japan. They're like, the matches are fine, but uh, visually the presentation isn't as pleasing as WWE. And I disagree. Don't... I completely disagree. But again, it's, it's a taste thing. Okay, well, you know, uh, I, how, expand on that. Like, what do you mean by, what do you disagree with? I don't know if I've told this to you on the podcast before, and I, or I don't know if I've told you this over, just when we've talked in person or on the phone. I just... There's something about, like, I associate pro wrestling with sort of a grittier environment. Even going back to, like, Raw is War, you know, on standard definition television back in the, you know, mid to late 90s, where the quality was a little bit, like, it felt like the screen was a little smoky, and they just kind of had black curtains and one Titantron and maybe a couple banners, but the focus was mainly on the stuff in the ring, and it just feels like with modern WWE... Everything's in HD. Everything's well lit. Everything's colorful. Everything there's LED boards everywhere. It's bright. It's it's shiny. And I, I sometimes I think less is more. And I think in the case of pro wrestling, I think less is more really stands out. And I love how it feels. I mean, it's kind of the way you would see like a, like a boxing fight late at night on TV. The way they New Japan presents their their arena or their setup. Um, and I appreciate it. Somebody else can probably sit there and tell me all the million different ways that the well-lit, colorful HD version is better visually. But I think for the purposes of pro wrestling, I kind of—it's like a horror movie. I like it to be a little, little dirty, little, little, little uh, darker. Well, and I feel like uh, New Japan looks more like a sporting event, right. where WWE looks like a TV show. That's a great way of putting it. And and you that get is the difference. Yeah, and there is a big difference. It's, uh, like you said, I think not having it in, I mean, not that it's not clear or anything. It's just, you know, it's shot on a different style of cameras. It's not super colorful. You just, you kind of, are, the main show is the fighting. You're there to see these matches. That is the main story. They bring the house lights down on the crowd. The focus is on what's going on in the ring. And I, I just as somebody, and I, I had said this before I watched Dominion and before I watched New Japan, I, I like the way they do things, and I wish, I mean, I guess NXT does that a little bit, but no, I mean, I, I love how they present things, and so I, I get if you're conditioned to wanting everything in HD and everything to be the way WWE does it, that's your cup of tea, 
But as somebody who happens to have a podcast where I get to express my opinion and tell you, fuck you, I like the gritty style better. It's kind of like, you know, uh, if you pick just like a like a shitty random comedy, like Dinner for Schmucks, not a very good movie, but it was shot in HD. Then you've got a movie like Clerks that was shot in black and white, looks like shit, much funnier. You know, it, it doesn't have to be pretty to to be great. So, I mean, and especially with us going to all in, I, yes, I'm going to be paying attention and seeing where everything leads. It'll be interesting to see if who's holding what belts come September. Well, and, uh, before September for all in, we have, uh, well, we're going to have the whole G1 going on for, you know, a while because it's a tournament, but one of those dates does land in the United States. It's going to be in San Francisco at the cow palace. And we, we received a tweet from somebody, but they already deleted it, couldn't find their name. I believe the, uh, the tweet said something along the lines of, will you butt munches talk about the G1 card? And then in parentheses said, like, I am not a butt munch. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 not mad about that. If you want to call us butt munches, that's fine. Thanks for listening. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, hey, I'm a little aggressive, but just so you know, I'm listening. <laughs> Yeah, call us butt munches, but leave us a five-star review and enter our contest for all-in tickets. Do that. So <laughs> everybody wins. So they did start announcing matches for the G1 uh, in San Francisco. Main event, Kenny Omega going in as champ against Cody Rhodes. Heavyweight yeah. championship match. So we're going to get Kenny Cody too, and I assume get you know a very clean outcome rather than the, the kind of uh, fuck finish the we got. fuckery of yeah. the last one. Uh, then we have Jay White putting the U.S. title up against Juice Robinson. Then, uh, let's see, we have Evil and Sonata having a rematch against the Young Bucks for the, the heavyweight tag team championship. And that makes sense. Then we have uh, Chaos against L.I.J., so they're going to have Okada and Osprey against Bushi and Naito. Which is, well, you, you're going to be getting a hell of a show at the Cow Palace, my friend. What's crazy is, so when you hear those four matches, does that sound exciting to you? Does that, that uh, little bit of blood rushes to your penis when you hear that? Yes. <laughs> the internet disagrees. Sexual... Really? The internet, because wrestling fans are never happy, uh, there is a lot of bitching about these matches. And a lot of people saying, oh, great, it's a house show. What's wrong? I thought how shows have great shit on them. Like what? I'm confused. So is that even an insult? I think people feel like they're getting. They're like, well, obviously Cody's not going to beat Kenny, and they. I think they think like we're just getting these rematches. Like I feel like they're worried that it's going to be like a WWE house show. And I but, can see that, but you know, what if they stick it up your ass and they have Cody beat Kenny? They could, and they could have some fuckery where the other Bullet Club members come out, and this is where all this shit goes down. It's a civil war, man. How do we know they're not using this on, like, on American soil to start a civil war? And keep in mind, this show is going to be broadcast live in the United States on American television. And do you know what that channel is doing the entire day leading up to this show? Yeah. They're having a New Japan marathon called Bullet Club is Fine, hosted by Cody and the Bucks. So if they're not going to go out of their way to get this much attention and these many eyes on the product, if they're not going to do something with it. Yeah, I think at the very least, like we don't even know what matches, you know, are going to be part of the tournament at this. And those matches are always great because, you know, it's an important tournament. This is a big show every year. It's a big series of matches. I think they're 
they're having a, you know this huge show, their biggest show they've done in the U.S. at this point. I don't think they're going to treat this like a house show. I think you know they're going to try and treat this like a pretty big show and impress the American audience. Just give it some time. People will warm up to it, and we'll see how they book it. Yeah, I just I don't think you have anything to worry about. Oh, I'm not worried at all. I just right now is an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. There's just so much cool shit happening, uh, just all over the board. And I, I couldn't be more fucking excited right now. It's, it's nice to ha- come on to this show and be excited about a thing that's happening. It's not like, you know, having to review Backlash. And we're back to being positive again. And hey, fuck, we have a whole other subject here to talk about. And I think in honor of Kenny Omega and Okada's epically long match, I think we do a little overtime today. What do you yeah, say? I don't mind if we go a little long on this one. Um, I gave myself some homework. I... Missed the entire CM Punk era of wrestling. I kind of pieced out during that point. That would have been, what, like end of high school to the end of college? Yeah, I first started hearing about Punk um, when I was in high school. I think in like 2004 is when I first started hearing his name floated around, especially since he's from the area. Yeah, and you know, I had heard of him, obviously, uh, just in passing. And when he was in WWE... Heard his name a lot, but wasn't watching the show. So I had, I kind of came back around the time of the pipe bomb, or at least the pipe bomb got shared so much on social media that it kind of brought my eyes back to wrestling. But I it, think it was unavoidable. I think I think a lot of people would share that story with you. And the truth is, I mean, it's not that Punk wasn't doing good stuff before the pipe bomb. It's just that like when he finally got the eyes on him, I mean, he stepped up his game and he was at his best. After that point, um, he did some great stuff with the straight edge society before that. I wasn't even like a big fan. Like I, I, w- I would go out of my way to say, I really didn't give a shit about CM Punk until the pipe bomb. So, I mean, I guess I'm a little bit of a bandwagoner in that sense. Although it's not like I'm a huge CM Punk fan, uh, followed would, his career. A lot what, of people, oh, let me ask this question. I, what made you decide that this was the topic you wanted to talk about this week? Like, what inspired you? Was it his fight that he had this past weekend that he lost in UFC? Well, a big part of it is, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk of he keeps saying he's done wrestling. He's not going to be at all in everything. But it leaves everybody questioning still. Like, is he working us? Is he going to show up day of and we're going to see CM Punk? Uh, And it felt like I shouldn't be excited about that until I go back and kind of, you know, read the history books and kind of see from the beginning where this guy started up until where he ended up. So what was this like for you as having never watched a bunch of punk stuff kind of given the current climate, especially like I said, he just had a fight. His name keeps getting brought up, you know, in relation to all in whether or not he'll be there. Who knows? Um, we we've talked about him, uh, uh, like lately, um, money in the banks coming up in Chicago, which is in the pay-per-view where he walked out with the WWE championship. You watch that match. Yeah, I, you gave me a list of stuff. I pulled some stuff that, uh, like, listener suggestions as well. And, I mean, if we're just to get into the WWE stuff real quick, there was one match in particular that I was like, okay, this guy has every right to be pissed off in a lot of this. <laughs> and the match that did that for me was his match against Daniel Bryan. At, what was that pay-per-view? It was like 2012 Over the Limit? Yeah. That pay-per-view is dead, right? Like, how, that had to have been a short-lived Name. I think they did it for a few years. Um, if I recall, maybe I'm no, I think it was Extreme Rules. Well, no, over the limit, uh, 
Yeah, no, I think it only lasted a couple years, but so yeah, over the limit against Daniel Bryan. I mean, just if I told you CM Punk Daniel Bryan tomorrow, you would be excited as piss about that. I mean, obviously because Punk's coming back, but just two names that are associated with good wrestling matches. Of the WWE matches I watched of his, so uh, I'll just go ahead and list the ones that I, I plan on watching more because I want to, you know, absorb as much as possible. But I watched a couple very long matches of his, which cut out the time I had to watch more of the WWE stuff. But I watched right. him and Jericho at uh, which pay-per-view would that have? That would have been Mania, right? Yeah, it was WrestleMania. I watched um, his I Mania match with Taker. 28. Yeah. I watched his match against Daniel Bryan, and then I watched the John Cena match at Money in the Bank. I'd say that's a pretty good four to start with. Okay. And uh, the, my, probably my favorite, because there were definitely a lot I liked in each match. I really liked the Daniel Bryan match. And he put on this amazing match, and it was, uh, <laughs> it was second to last match of the card. And he put on this just fuck the, the two of those guys put on this crazy fucking match. It ends up with, you know, Punk kind of stealing a win. And he's super over in that room. Daniel Bryan was super over. The next match they brought out after them was Brodus Clay. But the main event of that night was John Cena versus John Laurinaitis. Yep. And I can't imagine. They ended a show that had this fucking awesome match the great actual pro wrestling match and ended the show with a comedy match now was that was the daniel bryan match that was for the wwe championship right correct and it was so one th- where uh so fuck i'm trying to remember how it ended daniel bryan had punk and the yes lock yeah and what the fuck happened they he thought punk tapped oh no daniel bryan's shoulders go down on the mat and he gets pinned, but Daniel uh, then Punk taps, but after the match has been called. Right. So he walks out with the title, and Daniel Bryan thought he won. So they both looked strong. They both looked awesome in it. Punk walked out looking like a smug asshole. Uh, <laughs> great show. Um, and this is in the middle of his 434-day run with the title. So, okay. I mean, he, he's, yeah. But I have to ask. What was okay? I I missed all that stuff. What was going on with Laurinaitis at the time? I know he was doing the people power thing. People hated him. Was the the GM? I well, all this had started after the pipe bomb, where you know, the, uh, Punk had referenced John Laurinaitis in the promo, and then they ended up bringing him on screen to be a character and to be like an authority figure, and then you know he ended up having like a you know a feud with Punk, and I think that got moved over to he just as him being an abusive authority figure, and so he had. Naturally, he had some run-ins with John Cena, too, because he's the golden boy. And this was just a pay-per-view example of... Uh, th- there was such a sentiment that when du- when Punk was WWE champion for those 434 days... I, I don't can't remember if it was every pay-per-view, but it, it, it was most of the pay-per-views during the time where he was champion, they wouldn't let him be the main event. He was not the last match. And watching this match just made me kind of feel like, oh, this is never going to change. Some bullshit like this is always going to end a show. Did it, did it feel way too eerily familiar to Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns? Yes. Like the whole time, I'm just like, this seems like something if I had been following the product in 2012, that this would have pissed me off. Yeah. However. It pissed a lot of people off. However, that match had me laughing so hard. The whole time, because John Cena is beating the absolute 
There's a couple spots in that where he legit legit hurts John Laurinaitis. <laughs> There's a moment where he's like slamming him on the table or something. It's getting kind of fucked up. He goes to roll him in the ring and throws him head first into the hardest part of the ring. Like, <laughs> you know what's funny though is Laurinaitis used to wrestle. I know he did, but not <laughs> he, like he this. Should know how to bump. Not like this old man version of John Laurinaitis that he like. He literally like it was like he was using him as a battering ram and trying to move the ring. And there was a look on John Cena's face like. Oopsie Daisy smashed him head first into the ring. Well, so it's this fucked up comedy match. This is main eventing <laughs> after this awesome pro wrestling match, and that's WWE in a nutshell. It really is. Like I watched CM Punk and Daniel Bryan tear the house down, and the show ends with a match of John Cena giving giving John Laurinaitis belly slaps. And some things never change. All right, I could talk about that match all night because that that actually might be my favorite match I've seen this year. Did uh, you happen to? We've talked about it a whole bunch so far. Did you did you rewatch the pipe bomb promo? Uh, um, I had watched it not long ago. Sure, that's did, one that and, I'll pop. Like if I need a feel good thing and just to see somebody like if you're ever mad at your job and you're just like I wish I could do this. <laughs> like I watch. <laughs> that's that's what I watch where I'm just like fuck I want to go in and just be like you're all assholes and <laughs> I think I think that's actually like a like that should be if there was like a pro wrestling like class because that promo is a work like it's it's like that's that's a guy taking and pressing all the right buttons knowing exactly what people f- feel and what they want to hear and doing it in a way that feels completely real to get everybody hooked well, and was that, okay, I was going to ask you about this. To me, from all the matches I watched, obviously CM Punk is incredible on the microphone. And right. it seems like the running theme to his matches, the thing that makes him so exciting is that all the builds, everything that's happening feels like a worked shoot. For sure. And because like even with the Jericho match, like him like talking about punk's like deadbeat dad and just talking about his family like that got pretty fucked up and that's that match i think that was the thing that made that an exciting match is that jericho was being just such a dick yeah i I mean i I would argue and i mean maybe people feel differently about this but to me wrestling's at its best when you can kind of blend a little bit of real life with the story that you're telling and the fact that he's willing to go there, and he knows that people get sucked in by that, and well, and they I, kind of replicated all of that with the Daniel Bryan stuff, like the yeah. the Yes movement. That was like a much more positive version of the CM Punk stuff. It was like a much what? more, you know, it was like a more Disney version of that. But here's what's so interesting about that: we can't talk about CM Punk without talking about how he left. And him leaving from everything that's been reported is what caused them to finally commit to Daniel Bryan and the Yes Movement for WrestleMania 30 that year. Which was, I mean, the thing that really like 100% pulled me back into wrestling where I was a full-time wrestling fan again. Yeah, I think for a lot of people too. But, you know, they they were refusing, they just, they, they were dead set on Randy Orton against Batista. 
Um, they were dead set on CM Punk versus Triple H, and I think Punk called them out on how stupid all this shit was, that it wasn't what people wanted to see, and he left, and he quit, and then they fired him. And then they said, fuck it, I guess we can't ignore the Daniel Bryan stuff, and they went with it. So, And, and even in his podcast with Cabana, he referenced the fact that if he hadn't left, you know, certain people wouldn't have got what they deserved, and I think he was referencing Bryan. So. Is him, or him and Daniel Bryan friends? I think they worked together in the Indies, so I'm sure I'm sure they're friendly. They're two I that I don't how... really hear them talk about each other very often. Yeah. And I didn't know if there was something there or if they just you know, they're they're coworkers. Yeah, no, I, I know that Punk like would refer to him as Dragon, you know, like like from his American days Dragon. On the Indies. Yeah. yeah. So I mean I I assume he has something more than just a working relationship with him, but I doubt they keep in touch now. Um maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? But uh, well, going through the other matches, uh, probably the biggest one being the CM Punk John Cena match at Money in the Bank. Yeah, and how'd you feel like watching that start to finish? I think Meltzer gave that five stars. Okay, so where I was at with it at the beginning of the match was different than at the end, for sure. sure. The match won me over really, really hard. Uh, because at first, as I was watching, I was kind of thinking is this a good match or is the crowd making this match? Because right. very hot crowd in Chicago in front of CM Punk's hometown and a building that's just normally just loud as fuck, uh, which is why I'm so excited to see Ciampa Gargano there. Cause I hope that building, you know, really blows the roof off for that match. Yeah. But uh, by the end of the match, I was fully invested. Cause I mean, I knew the outcome of that match, and there were still moments where I'm like, he might win. John Cena's going to do it, and this place is going to go for go fucking berserk. They're going to riot. Because it's still the WWE, and you know, there's that long history of not winning in your hometown. Right. And I could have easily seen them being like, ah, this is what you want? Fuck you. I, I, think, I think the thing that I wish for everyone... I remember watching that live. I think I watched it like on an illegal stream on my laptop or something. But I remember watching that live. And I wish I could give everybody that experience because his contract was legitimately up. Like, that, that was well known. Like, he was out the door. And I think to watch that match live, not knowing how it's going to end, not knowing that he had re-signed just, you know, minutes before going out, I... They made him look so good in that match, letting him hang and go toe to toe with John Cena on potentially his last night in his hometown where they're they're I mean, he's the babyface in that match. Um it is a really fucking great match and I the way they, you know I think at one point doesn't Cena give him like an attitude adjustment off the top rope or something and he kicks out of it? Maybe maybe I'm remembering incorrectly. Yeah, I mean but... there's there's a lot of towards the end of that match it just kind of if I recall, I watched a shit ton of CM Punk. Uh, it's, <laughs> and when I say a shit ton, uh, sorry, not to get off of that match, but you recommended another one that went almost two fucking hours, and I watched yeah. every second of it. <laughs> I watched it what? beginning to end, all hour and 45 minutes of that match. And what did you walk away thinking? Okay. I... So, uh, just to go, uh, IWA, Punk versus Chris Hero, they're in a barn in southern Indiana. Maybe there's maybe a hundred people in this place. I will say, I was bored to fucking tears for like the first 
first while. Okay. Uh, the match, it was almost like they, they were definitely trying to set some sort of record. It was best two out of three falls with a 90-minute time limit. And, the, I mean, I was trying to time it. It was somewhere around the 50-minute mark that they threw the first punch. The first, I think that was probably by design. They probably made it in their heads, like, we, if we're going to stretch this out this long, we have to save that for later. Oh, I, I understand that. I knew why the whole match is just rest hold. Like, I mean, it just, it felt like it would be different if I were watching Zack Sabre Jr. do holds for 40 minutes. For sure. Because he's going to be twisting around doing some crazy shit I've never seen. And they were doing a lot of really standard headlocks and things like a lot of, it wasn't a very strenuous match for the first, you know, 40 to 50 minutes. Which maybe I've never wrestled. Maybe that's way more strenuous than it looked. And I'm sure that it is. I don't want to catch hell for that. Because, like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. A fucking hour and 45 minute match is a feat. Uh, but I will say, that crowd was not having fun. That building was silent. And there were people yawning. Because there's not a lot of people in this room to begin with. But let me tell you, when that shit picked up at the end, <laughs> that shit picked up. That crowd was on their feet. It sounded like there were a thousand people in that room. And I think the fact that they were able to just like, I don't want to say they lost everyone, but everyone wasn't crazy excited to be able to pull everyone back and be like, oh no, we're going to fucking kill each other now. I mean, there was a point when Chris Hero had him on the top rope and the, the announcer called it a reverse powerbomb. <laughs> which was him jumping backwards off the top rope and giving Punk a powerbomb, facing the turnbuckle. I had never seen that before. That blew my mind. Those guys were slapping the absolute shit out of each other. I was very impressed by the end. Um, do I think it would have been as good without that first part? No. I think if you watch this match and just skip to the last half hour, you have to really see all <laughs> everything that came before it to truly appreciate how fucking crazy it got. So you're saying even though it kind of sucked, it took a long time to get into it. It's almost a, like a requirement to fully appreciate where they wound up at the end. Yeah, I think there's a lot at the end that you'd still be like, wow, that was nuts. But to know that they were just rolling around on the ground for nearly 50 minutes prior to that and just being in very regular uh, chokeholds and just things were like that where... You're just like, this isn't going anywhere. And then when it starts going, and for the match to uh, time out. Or wait, no, it ended where they pinned each other. It was a double pin. Yeah. The match ends with like two seconds left in the match. So then it just goes to sudden death. So now the 90-minute time limit's up. They go for another 10 minutes, 15, I don't know, somewhere in there. And it was just a crazy match that Chris Hero ends up winning. You get to watch young Chris Hero, which is fun. Uh, when he was built more like a basketball player. <laughs> but So today, I, I haven't finished this one yet, but another match that everyone had been telling me about was Samoa Joe versus CM Punk round two, or, you know, their second match in Ring of Honor. That fucker goes almost two hours. <laughs> I did not know about this. Yes. This match took place a year or two after that hero match. And let nice. me tell you, I've only, I'm only like an hour 15 into this thing so far. But those two, like, they started doing the holds at the beginning. And I'm like, oh, shit. Here we go. Another one of these. But then they immediately start hitting each other. So it's a series of hard hits and holds. 
and it's a good combination of the two. And to know that they're going to do that for the two hours while continually building it bigger and bigger, I'm all in on this one. Um, I've got, like I said, I've got another like 40 (laughs) minutes left in it. Can't wait to see how that ends, which got me thinking. I actually haven't seen a lot of young Samoa Joe matches, and I'm wondering if uh, he should be my next project is to go back and see his TNA stuff, check out more of his Ring of Honor stuff, just kind of see his whole career. I need to do that as well with Joe uh, because I don't know enough of his early stuff. But um, I think this was a cool, like, I mean, you give me homework assignments here, here and there, and Punk wasn't a guy you knew too much about. After watching some of his matches and getting kind of caught back up, do, do you, <laughs> this is a weird question, do you miss him? Do you wish that he was still around? Do you think eventually one day down the line he'll come back and do something? Like, what are your, like, wrap up kind of how you feel about Punk. Obviously, people love the guy. I really enjoyed the matches, but a lot of it I feel like I would have enjoyed a lot more if I had been there during that time. Like, really had to, because that's kind of like, you know, when you're watching Daniel Bryan deal with all the stuff he was dealing with, you're watching him on Raw every week getting shit on Yeah. So you really, you're getting more of the story and you're feeling more of the frustration. Where where I just sat down and watched like eight hours of CM Punk wrestling. Um, Great wrestler. But I feel like a lot of it, I hate saying this, part of me feels like maybe you had to be there to really fully appreciate the story. But I do appreciate where he came from, where he got to. And just kind of seeing the stuff that would follow his matches made me understand his frustrations. You feel like he was underappreciated? For sure. And the the main thing that, like, I know he said, that Undertaker match was great as well. And I know he said that he didn't give a shit about it. For a guy who didn't give a shit, he made it look like he gave a shit. And that says something about his ability. Yeah. And it doesn't look like he'll be wrestling or, or fighting anymore in UFC. So, yeah, that part of his career. I mean, I guess he could go do Bellator. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of people are giving punk shit. Uh, you know, he tried a thing. Everybody should try a thing. If you got something you want to do, why not try it? He had the means to do it and got offered a lot of money. Not a lot of people have their first fight on fucking pay-per-view. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, good on him for trying. I'm not for sure. I'm not mad at punk. Uh, I don't know. I'll watch. I'll go back and keep watching some CM Punk matches and see if I watch a little more, like what starts to change. Cause I definitely appreciate the quality of what he was doing. I appreciate his mic skills. I think I just wasn't there for enough of it to fully get everything and to feel the frustration of how badly you want to see him win. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Some of it is you have to have been there to fully appreciate because it was time. I mean, it's week in week out storylines building and, he did well. Um, he got me sucked back into wrestling for sure. The summer of punk. It really, um, it really felt like it would have been like if Vince McMahon had Stone Cold Steve Austin, but didn't let him get over. Right. Uh, and, that's, and that's the that, theme. That may be how he felt. I feel like they're at least watching it and seeing him talk and seeing the pipe bombs and seeing how the crowd was reacting. It really felt like you have the biggest guy in the world and you're not accepting that. And I think that's been a problem with them for years is that there's guys that they test, but they don't get fully behind. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're still there. That happens, 
you know, nearly yeah. every <laughs> every week. And yeah. I've kind of, you know, I, I haven't completely quit watching, but like I'll just more catch the highlights. And I'm never going to say I'm going to 100% quit watching WWE because it's, I mean, it's always been there. Like it's been there my whole life. But point. it's this kind of shit that helps you to tune out for time periods when you feel like they're just not even listening to what people want. It You see them, it feels like they're not trying with a lot of things, and then you watch New Japan have this amazing pay-per-view, and I feel like because of where WWE's at right now, and you know, there's always going to be slumps, but New Japan is trying to grow at a really, really good time. I don't think they could have picked a better time to come in, and especially when you know I'm hearing rumors that like Reigns Lesnar is gonna happen again at SummerSlam potentially. Yeah, that's it's a just a whole other topic. Yeah, it just it but, kind of brings me down. So I'd rather watch the thing that currently makes me happy that I actually enjoy watching. I'll still you know check out the other stuff, and when cool shit happens, I'll always be checking back. And you know once it turns around, I'll come back full time watching it. But for sure, it's just, not going anywhere. There's a lot of wrestling. And like with this, I didn't watch this stuff so that I could watch eight hours of classic CM Punk matches. Yep. And I had a much better time doing that. So I think uh, for a while, I would rather do that than watch their current stuff. Totally. And I'm glad that you kind of got caught up with Punk and kind of explored an area that you weren't familiar with. But uh and hey, is, man, uh, is there, I would, I want to ask the listeners, if there's somebody that you want us to delve into their career, watch a bunch of their classic matches and go over it just to see what we think of these hundred percent in, I want to, I, I love doing it and I want to keep doing it. Uh, give us the feedback at wrestle hangout on Facebook at wrestle hangout on Twitter at predetermined podcast on Instagram. Before we get out of here, I've got a couple other things I want to say. We've already gone over, but fuck it. We're going over. Um, we have a uh, a listener of the podcast and a, a friend of the podcast, uh, somebody who is supposed to be making a trip up here to Chicago this weekend with you, um, our friend Dalton, who's having a rough time right now. Why don't you let everyone know what Dalton's kind of going through? Uh, yeah, Dalton, uh, he had a, a bit of a, a family emergency, sick relative. Uh, unfortunately, he's not going to be making it out to the show with us. But, uh, you know, positive vibes your way, buddy. You know, like I said, Regardless of what happened, Kenny Omega has the heavyweight title. Just all anytime you're feeling down, just think about the joy you had during that. And I think positive vibes, man. Positive vibes, and we're thinking about you. Hope everything, uh, you know, hope everything uh, plays out a little bit better. Things get better for you and your family. Um, so yeah, predetermined podcast wants to give a shout out to Dalton and uh, best wishes, man. Um. Oh, wish you were here this weekend. Oh, I, I also need to give a shout out to a, a mutual friend of ours. Um, exchanged text messages with this person today. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Bradley Bergstrand. Bradley Bergstrand is a regular listener of the podcast, despite not knowing that much about professional wrestling. Um, he lists, he put, he, I guess at work, he puts our podcast on just because he likes the sound of our voices. And I guess he got judged at work the other day because we were talking about something weird. And now his boss thinks that thinks different things about him than she previously did. <laughs> What's funny is this is probably one of the tamer shows as of late. I feel yeah. like for a few weeks we were just really going off the rails with uh, profanity and uh, hypotheticals. For sure. This one was more uh, just us, us gushing over really good wrestling. But that's because, you know, something awesome happened to talk about. Well, we're hoping that you like this episode. I think, you know, we've kind of retired... 
um, say something nice is getting a little bit harder and harder to do. Maybe we should uh, take suggestions from our listeners on a new segment that we could do during the show going forward. What do you think? I'm fine with that. And at the beginning, I had mentioned who would I like to hang out with this week? (laughs) It's not even necessarily like this doesn't have anything to do with the wrestlers in ring work. This just is like when you look at that person, you're like, that's a person I would party with. That's somebody that I could sit on the couch and we'd watch Frasier for six hours. Have a great time. Uh, (laughs) Right now, I'm going alley cat. I'm saying I think we we'd be uh, I think we'd be friends. She just looks like fun. I'm picking Jericho because he's not Tranquilo. <laughs> he's fucking crazy, man. He proved it. Did you see these selling shirts that say that? Uh, you, you informed me of this. Uh, and I told you I would, I would happily buy one to support him, but I don't know if I can pull off wearing a shirt that says fucking walking around my neighborhood. Hey, I push the limits of uh, casual Friday every day in my office. I have worn a <laughs> bloodied Candace shirt, and you know what? I'm willing to wear that shirt to my, uh, my job as well. Oh, we did have a listener ask us to uh, to discuss something. Did you watch it? I did, and it made me really uncomfortable. Um, so I uh, I know that one of the buttons that you like to push in an intergender match is that it's an intergender match and it's uncomfortable. But this yeah. this took it to a whole new fucking level for me. Uh, he wanted. He told me uh, Neil, uh, somebody that I went to Southern Underground Pro with, ran into him there. We were discussing intergender wrestling and you know certain things that make you uncomfortable. And he brought up an intergender wrestling match that had Asuka and Minoru Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki was on this card against Ishii, which those two motherfuckers scare me. <laughs> those are just two men who are frightening who looks like they will just fucking kill you. And he showed me he has no bounds with what he was willing to do to Asuka in this match. Is that why she was famous coming over into uh, North America? I don't think it was because of this match with Suzuki, but fuck did he beat the shit out of her. Like, when I say beat the shit out of her, I mean, I feel like I was just shoot watching a woman get murdered. Did it make you question your interest in intergender wrestling? Oh, it definitely showed me there's right ways and wrong ways to do it. And I don't know that it's my job to say that this was wrong or I'm in any position to say that. But I watched him drag her around by her hair in a way that made me very uncomfortable. Uh, I watched him slap her in the face very hard, kick her in the head very hard. I'm sure all of this was planned and that she was, and obviously she can take it. But you got worked, man. But at a certain point, because it was, I, I honestly, I feel bad because I don't remember the other two wrestlers they were with, but it was a, a man and woman team on both sides. And at one point, Asuka's female opponent came in to try and help her. And Suzuki threw his own partner out of the ring as she was trying to defend the other female wrestler. Yeah, not happening. It really this would never fly over here. It. It made me feel, uh, let's say, icky. Yeah, he felt a little dirty. I did not feel good watching it, and I feel like my mouth was open the whole match. Because uh, <laughs> what he had originally sent me was just this 60-second clip from the middle of the match. Uh, I believe it's around the 18-minute mark of this match where it just goes off the rails. And I, wa- I was like, well, I got to see what the build to that was. And there was a build. It was a normal match up until that point. But it looks like Suzuki just snaps 
and goes off on her. It really felt like I was watching the bride get trained in Kill Bill. I'm really glad that we're ending such a positive episode of the podcast on such a dark, disturbing note. It was fucking but, uh, horrific. If you guys have a match you want me to watch, send it my way. Uh, let us know on the social medias. But uh, goddamn, like I said, I'll watch anything you send me. But that one was rough. That was that was not how I would like to see intergender wrestling go. Hey, man, I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Oh, I cannot wait. This is going to be two, uh, two great days of pro wrestling. I hope to God you go to freelance wrestling on Friday and fill me in on what PCO's up to there. I will let you know if I'm going to go. You got, I, I hope that I, I hope that I get this sorted out. If so. PCO wants five bucks for a photograph, you get your goddamn ass over there and throw him five dollars. Because I, I <laughs> maybe have him chop you. Uh, no thanks. Okay. Well, you know what? Next week we will be back with more wrestling conversation. We're gonna be hanging out further. It's the that's, that's what we do. <laughs> it's a it's a show where we hang out. This has been a long one. Sorry about that. But you know we didn't get to do uh, a show just on Dominion, which absolutely deserved it, and Punk deserved his time as well. I think this was well worth the hour and a half. Yeah, hopefully this was a good one. Thanks for listening, and uh, can't wait to do a next week's show and fill you in on what we experienced over the weekend. Until next time, hit our music. music.